Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Let's Review RN. Today, we will be talking about Addison's disease, but in order to understand Addison's disease, we must understand the pathophysiology and the normal function of the adrenal cortex. The adrenal glands, also called adrenal cortex, sits on top of the kidneys and is comprised of two endocrine organs, one wrapped around the other. The outer adrenal cortex secretes many different steroid hormones, including glucocorticoids, such as cortisol, and mineral corticoids, such as aldosterone, and androgens, which are sex hormones. The inner adrenal medulla secretes catecholamines epinephrine, norepinephrine, and dopamine, which we'll talk about in a later podcast related to disorders that are associated with the adrenal medulla. Cortisol helps to regulate carbohydrates, protein, and fat metabolism. Aldosterone regulates blood pressure by regulating the reabsorption of sodium and water, as well as secreting potassium through the RAS system, which is the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. So if you have too much aldosterone, you will absorb lots of sodium, and vice versa. If you have too little aldosterone, you will not reabsorb enough sodium and not excrete enough potassium. Cortisol is considered the stress hormone of the body. It helps your body cope with stress such as illness, trauma, and or emotional stress. It also increases our blood glucose levels and helps to regulate carbohydrate, protein, and fat metabolism like I said before. Now let's review the negative feedback loop that assists in the release and regulation of these steroids. Starting in the brain, your hypothalamus releases CRH, standing for corticotropin-releasing hormone, which tells the pituitary gland to release ATCH, adrenocorticotropin hormone, which stimulates the adrenal cortex to release cortisol. Remember, with a negative feedback loop, the end product will reduce the initial stimulation of the cascade. So in this normal functioning adrenal cortex feedback loop, enough circulating cortisol will trigger the trigger the hypothalamus to stop producing CRH to slow the cascade of events. There are many causes of Addison's disease, and so we'll review them one at a time. Addison's disease is when you have a low or hyposecretion of cortisol and aldosterone. This is typically caused by an autoimmune disorder, which is referred to as primary adrenal insufficiency, which often patients with other autoimmune disorders are more likely to develop different types of autoimmune diseases. So this is kind of for unknown reasons, but your immune system views the adrenal cortex as foreign and sets out to attack and destroy. The autoimmune attack can be caused by tuberculosis, other infections of the adrenal gland, spread of cancer to the adrenal glands, or trauma or bleeding into the adrenal glands itself. Secondary adrenal insufficiency can occur from benign pituitary tumors, inflammation, 
and prior pituitary surgery resulting in low production of ACTH from the pituitary gland, which stimulates the release of cortisol and androgens from the adrenal cortex. In this situation, aldosterone production is not affected, but for the sake of this podcast, we will discuss primary adrenal insufficiency, which is the autoimmune form of Addison's disease resulting in a reduced production of cortisol and aldosterone. Now let's talk about symptoms of Addison's disease. Committing to memory that Addison's disease results in a decreased or hyposecretion of both cortisol and aldosterone will help you make complete sense of the symptoms that coordinate with Addison's disease. Most symptoms go along with low and slow motto, with the exception of a few, but in general, symptoms usually develop slowly and often over several months. The disease progresses so slowly that symptoms are ignored until a stress such as illness or injury occur and makes the symptoms worse. So signs and symptoms include extreme fatigue, weight loss and decreased appetite, Darkening of your skin, also known as hyperpigmentation, is a hallmark sign of Addison's disease. Low blood pressure, even fainting, which this is caused by low blood volume due to reduced sodium and water reabsorption, which is the responsibility of aldosterone. Hyponatremia, meaning low sodium levels due to decreased sodium reabsorption from low aldosterone levels, is seen, and you will also see that patients have salt cravings. Hyperkalemia, meaning high potassium levels, again stemming from low aldosterone levels, which is responsible for balancing electrolytes specifically by excreting potassium. You can see hyperkalemia, hypoglycemia, meaning low blood sugars, because you have low levels of cortisol, which play a role in breaking down carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Patients can be nauseous, they can have diarrhea or vomiting. A lot of gastrointestinal symptoms come along with Addison's disease. They can experience muscle or joint pain, depression or other behavioral symptoms, body hair loss, menstrual changes for women, or erectile dysfunction for men. As far as diagnosing Addison's disease, your doctor will talk to you first about your medical history and your signs and symptoms. You may undergo some of the following tests. So blood tests can will be done and they'll test and measure the levels of sodium, potassium, cortisol, and adrenocorticotropin hormone, ACTH, which stimulates, again, the adrenal cortex to produce its hormones. A blood test can also measure antibodies associated with autoimmune disease that are linked to Addison's disease. ACTH stimulation test is also an- another diagnostic test that can be used to diagnose Addison's disease. So ACTH signals your adrenal glands to produce cortisol. This test measures the level of cortisol in your blood before and after an injection of synthetic ACTH. They can also diagnose Addison's disease with insulin-induced hypoglycemia test. So the patient may be given this test if the doctor thinks you have adrenal insufficiency as a result of pituitary disease. The test involves checking your blood sugar and cortisol levels after an injection of insulin. In healthy people, glucose levels fall and cortisol levels increase. They can also do some imaging tests, which Um, A CT scan can be done of your abdomen to check the size of your adrenal glands and look at or look for other abnormalities. A patient may undergo an MRI scan of your pituitary gland if testing indicates that uh, the patient might have secondary adrenal insufficiency.
Now, as I move into treatment for Addison's disease, I want you to know that all treatment involves medication. The patient will be treated with hormone replacement therapy to correct the levels of steroid hormones their body is not producing. Some options for treatment include oral cortical steroids such as hydrocortisone, prednisone, or methylprednisolone to replace cortisol. These hormones are given on a schedule to mimic the normal 24-hour fluctuation of cortisol levels. Fluoronef, or fludrocortisone acetate, is used to replace aldosterone. Patients will be issued a medical alert bracelet and a medical alert card, and the bracelet should be worn at all times. A steroid emergency card will allow medical personnel, in the case of an emergency, to understand what type of treatment the patient is requiring. Now let's talk about nursing interventions. It's important to understand nursing interventions and what to monitor for for these patients. These are often where questions will come from when sitting for your nursing boards. We'll be monitoring our patients with Addison's disease closely for several signs and symptoms and educating our patients regarding medications and when to notify the doctor. We will monitor our patients for hypoglycemia and hyperkalemia and the signs and symptoms that go along with both of these. Hypoglycemia, we will look for weakness, sweating, confusion, or blurred vision. And for hyperkalemia, we'll look for EKG changes, irregular heart rhythms, muscle weakness, nausea, or vomiting. We'll educate our patients to notify their provider if they are experiencing increased stress, illness such as vomiting or diarrhea, or having surgery because they may require their synthetic hormone dose to be increased. We want to educate them to take their medications regularly at the same time every day and do not stop medications abruptly. They need to eat a diet high in protein and carbohydrates as cortisol is responsible for the breakdown of these macronutrients. We will educate our patients to consume plenty of salt, especially during heavy exercise when the weather is hot or if you have gastrointestinal upsets such as diarrhea or vomiting since this is when patients will be losing excess salt and requiring it to be replaced through diet. Patients can experience a life-threatening complication of Addison's disease known as Addisonian crisis, which can be a result of any of the previous education not being followed correctly. It specifically is linked to disruption of medication or too low of dose of hormone replacement. But my next podcast will be coming out covering Addisonian's crisis in detail, and I hope that you tune in for that. Today's been fun. I hope that you've learned a lot about Addison's disease, and I really appreciate you guys being here with me weekly to learn and educate ourselves. And if you already know about these topics, it's just fun to brush up as we move on and we don't see them regularly in the clinic setting or in our jobs or as we move through nursing school classes, um, we can forget things. And it's always good to brush up on our knowledge. So remember, you can Find me at Instagram handle Let's Review RN, and I look forward to learning with you next time. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.